Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and I'm here tonight with not one but two guest co-hosts as we are doing our newest The Review Show. This week, we're going to be taking a look at Strixhaven, A Curriculum of Chaos, the newest 5E Wizards of the Coast hardback supplement. Uh, joining tonight is Tom. Tom, say hello to everyone. Hey, folks. Oh, no, you told me to say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. I've got to remember to do that every time. That's my thing. I think I found my thing. Michael, also, I need to... I don't know why for the reviews. I don't know if it's just, you know, you're you're in your... you got your little habits. Reviews, you always introduce me as a guest host, and I actually am okay with that. I feel like it takes some pressure off of me, you know? Right. And I okay. don't feel like I need to perform. Well, you do have to perform, though, so okay. put the pressure back on you, because okay, I'm really, right, I, right. I rely on you to carry the weight of these episodes. It, okay, you should start when I'm the guest co-host. Okay, all right, all right, that's fair. All right, and join us for the first time ever as an official reviewer on the podcast is friend of the show, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. Might as well follow Tom's uh, that's uh, right. lead. Uh, so Happy to be here. Thanks for letting me uh, join in. We're happy to to have you with us. Uh, I'll do it right this time and start off by saying thank you to Wizards of the Coast for providing Tom and I with copies of the book. Uh, we are on their their media mailing list, so we get one of each of the cop- copies of the cover. I keep the alt cover. I send Tom uh, the other one, the original one. But Chris, you purchased your own copy. Now, do you have a hard copy or do you have like the D&D Beyond version of this book? I have the alt cover, um, alt hard cover uh, version, so... Gotcha. That one would I kind of liked a lot better than the other one. I, again, jumping to the end, but I agree. I actually really, I did not care for fizz bands at all. I really like this one. Why do we got to wait till the end to talk about the cover, Michael? The cover is the first thing. We don't. We can do it whenever. That's, I mean, there is, the rules are, there are no rules. Okay. Okay. All right. Cover's good. Cover's also, good. I, I like it a lot. I, I will say this too. Yes. Wizard sent us a copy. All right. One of my pages was ripped. Oh, no. Yeah. That could so, have been me. I, I don't think so, but possibly we'll blame, that was my fault. I like blaming wizards for stuff, so we're, I'm going to blame them. Okay. <laughs> I mean, classically, a wizard did it, so maybe wizard okay. done did it here. All right. Anyway, All right. But yeah, so we're here now. for the review episode number 22, where we're going to review the Strixhaven Curriculum of Chaos. Um, so, Tom, why don't we start with you? What is this book? Because, to be honest, it's a little bit weird. It's weird. Okay, so this book is the latest hardcover from Wizards of the Coast, and it's the latest adventure book. All right, so this book diverges from the previous Magic the Gathering crossovers. Yes, this is another Magic the Gathering D&D crossover. This time we're in the land of Strixhaven, all right, this crazy magic school. All right, that is clearly a Harry Potter ripoff. All right, so the... The but this book it's an adventure, whereas Thero, Theros and then also the Ravnica book were campaign settings. All right, this is not a campaign setting. So if we're going to define what this book is, it's a little bit of some knowledge you need for Strixhaven, the what we're going to call the the campaign world or campaign setting. A little bit of character options, but it's not. This is not a character book. This is enough character options so you can create a character specific for the adventures and then basically 75 percent of this book is four adventures that you can run in a standalone way or string along as a campaign 
All right. The book was led up by Amanda Hammond. So, uh, and it's got, this is one of the books, all right, that I'm calling like a uh, a top tier um, Wizards of the Coast D&D book. All right. So if you listen to Fizban, I got my conspiracy theory going on that they're not, they're doing some weird stuff here, but this is what I would consider a top tier book. It's got a limited number of writers so they're all able to really focus and uh yeah it's uh that's that that's kind of the that's kind of the overview of what this book is uh so when i said it's a little bit weird what i to to unpack that what i meant is that unlike the other previous magic gathering crossover books theros and ravnica it's not a true campaign guide because it is this sort of hybrid it's sort of some background specific to the setting but the majority of this book is adventures but it's not an adventure game adventure guide either because it at least not compared to what we have seen in other books it's not like a long-term one to 20 campaign or even some of the others are usually like one to 10 one to 12 it's more of these uh interconnected if you want them to be adventures so i guess i'll go to you first time on this and then i'll circle you chris do you think this is a better model than what we saw with Theros or Ravnica. Do you prefer a strict campaign guide with probably, I I don't remember, but I'm going to assume they probably had like the starter adventure in that version. Or do you like this version where it's like sort of a campaign guide that's enough to get you into the world, into the setting, but it's mostly an adventure? Or would you prefer it to be one or the other like we've seen previously? No, I think this is definitely the way to go with these crossover books because with Theros and Ravnica, there was no motivation for me to ever run a game there because I don't play magic. I don't really care about the settings. So I'm like, okay, cool. We got a campaign book. I don't want to do this. Whereas an adventure is, it's kind of, it's here's the world and here is how you would play in this world. And I think how they structured these adventures together worked out really well. And I think it really, it then kind of made me more interested to play a game within the world of Strixhaven. Excellent. All right, now, so Chris, the reason I start with Tom is because I don't know your D&D playing history. Do you buy all these books? Is it like you, you buy every book when it comes out, or do you pick and choose? Do you have the Ravnica book? Do you have the Theros book? Um, I started out kind of, or uh, started out so with a, uh, just picking and choosing. Um, I did, I, ha- I do have both the Ravnica and the Theros um, but I've, I'm starting to get into that point uh, where I am buying uh, every uh, book or at least every like uh, a source book or um, campaign that interests me. So Wizards got you then? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So then I'll, so I will then ask you the same question. Do you like this version better, this sort of hybrid model, or would you have preferred a Strixhaven campaign guide that was more like Theros Ravnica? I agree with Tom in the fact that this gives me an incentive to actually run um, a full campaign. I would have I have I uh, have ideas to how to do run Theros or Ravnica, but they didn't give me enough kind of a good guide of how an adventure sh- could run um, to where it gives me uh, enough or a lot of options to uh, um, to go in the world. Um, but as a setting book, they were, all three were are good, um, especially coming from someone who 
played in those sets uh, um, from Magic, um, and to see those um, the, those worlds kind of um, expanded upon uh, in in the campus settings. All right, uh, so I'll just weigh in and say I actually like this version better as well. I think this is. Uh, what I would like to see going forward with any more of these Magic the Gathering crossovers, I like that they give me enough of the world, enough of the flavor that I can play in that world if I choose, but I also can ignore all of that if I want, and I can just take the adventure sections and put those into the campaign that I'm currently running or maybe plan to run. So without getting too far into it now, because we're going to dissect the book a little bit more, I do prefer this method. I think this is a better version Though, again, this is from three people who probably aren't going to run a Theros campaign, who aren't probably going to run a Ravnica campaign. But if someone loves Theros, I mean, we could talk to um, Grant. He probably really likes because actually I know he does like the Theros book because it does give him a lot of that world. So we're not saying this is better objectively. Subjectively, the three of us all agree this is probably a better better version for our purposes. No, I'm going to say ob- objectively. I'm going to say objectively, this is better. Tom says this objectively. Uh, I'm going to say that obviously the analogy here is Harry Potter. But for me, my thought is actually I would love my game that I would run using this to be more of a The Magicians from like the the sci-fi TV show. I think it's on Netflix now, which is also a magical school, but there's a lot more like uh, sort of like darker tones and well, you know, sex. Uh, but if I'm being honest with myself, I probably would run this more like community because it would definitely fall into more of a humorous oh. uh, campaign than uh, than a serious. It might try to start that way, but it would devolve into a community, which to me, I'd love community. So that's still a positive as well. That's awesome. Yep. So looking at the book, it's broken into uh, seven chapters and it has an appendix. Chapter one, life on campus. It doesn't have an appendix. Oh wait, I, I didn't pull the map out. Yeah, there's it's the a nice map. Oh, oh, oh! I see it too. I'm yeah, I got it. I, 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 I'm thinking an index. It doesn't have an index. I, I, yeah, I've just given up since I mentioned. I've just given up on indexes. Like, I really want. I don't care about like. Um, just give us an index, especially for adventures. I don't want to flip through the book to find an NPC. I want to know the exact page. All right. Anyway. All right, back to you, Michael. Yeah, so chapter one, <laughs> chapter two is character options. Character three is school and session, talks about basically about the colleges. Uh, and then chapters four, five, six are the adventures, right? Uh, no, the, uh, chapter three also includes the first adventure. Oh, okay. Yep. So, yeah, so chapter three includes the first adventure. Then chapter four is an adventure. Chapter five is an adventure. Chapter six is an adventure. And then chapter seven is the bestiary, which is the friends and foes section. Uh, so I'm taking chapter one. Basically, it breaks down. There are five different colleges that make up, I guess, what we would call the university of mm-hmm. Strixhaven. So we have the Lorehold College. Prismari College, the Quandrix College, Silver Quill, and Witherbloom. If you are familiar with the Magic the Gathering settings, probably already kind of know these how these work. Each college has diametrically opposed viewpoints that are sort of, there's these two deans. And again, in the Magic the Gathering cards, you have multicolor cards that are referenced. 
and the c- characters they who go into a specific college are supposed to try to figure out which one they want to go. Uh, it also talks about the sort of the, the layout and, you know, like the hangouts people like, I think there's like fire bolt or fire jolt cafe. And then there's like the library, the biblioteca or the biblioplex. It does what it needs to do. I wasn't super impressed with this section, but again, it's the section that tells you what you need to know to get into the, to the game. All right, first off, Michael, you just blew my mind. I just re- I was like reading this book. I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting how these colleges are kind of have two different things. And then now it's all clicking. This is just Magic yeah. the Gathering. It's just Magic the Gathering. Yeah, all these, all, there's all these deans and they have two colors. Uh, and you can, when you play them, you choose which side you want to play based off the mana cost and that kind of stuff. And I actually, these are some of my favorite cards. I love the green, black dean cards. I, I have many decks that I use those in. I don't remember their names currently, but I love them in the, in the Magic the Gathering game. So I love this section, this first chapter, because I feel like this is what I want from a campaign setting i want it to be broken down into small chunks and then broken down further into into even smaller chunks so what this does is it breaks down each of the schools and they're their own section each school has its nice map and then each school follows the exact same layout structure for how it presents the information so each school has the deans each school has some npcs each school has some locations within each of the schools and this is just to me this works great i feel like i'm getting enough lore but i'm not overburdened with it so i i feel like this did a really good job and also all the great magic the gathering art that we're starting to see is i I just i really like this section and also i wanted to before i like chris talk i want to ask michael and chris all right guys all right if you had to pick a school which one would it be i'll go last I think we all know what it's going to be, though. All right, Chris, pick a school. I kind of anticipated this question because I I have it down to two. It's either going to be Lorehold College okay. or Witherbloom. Okay. Lorehold, I like the I like the dichotomy of history and the chaos involved with that, and just like having that learning from the past. And having that kind of to continue your growth is nice. Um, and just the just the the whole fact that Lorehold's Co- Lorehold's College is basically uh, archaeology uh, ruins. It's all the campuses are just so diverse from each other yeah. that you it's going to be very tr- tricky to confuse one with another. I love Lorehold so much as far as the college itself. It's to me, I think that as far as the laid out, it's the coolest one. It's as far as like it's ruins. These people are archaeologists. You could definitely run like some Indiana Jones style campaigns where one of the deans is an explorer. I like this stuff. Michael, what about yourself? Well, I'm going to guess that yours is Witherbloom because it's the most emo. No, dude, Silverquill is definitely the most emo. That's for sure. They, look at those folks. They are all wearing black and silver. They speak in rhetoric and they do battle poetry. This silver quill is by far. These people are all so extra and I love them for that. They are great. They are so they, they know what they're about. Yeah. H- have you watched the Magicians TV show? 
No. No. Okay. Definitely go back and watch at least a few episodes. I think that I think you would get some appreciation. Okay. Now, I'm having a little bit of trouble here because I am sort of mixing and matching like my magic magic the gathering experience. Because yeah. I really feel like Prismari College speaks to Michael the DM and Michael the, the dungeons or the like the player, but I don't like the Prismari cards in the Magic the Other setting. I I actively dislike them. Um but they're I sh- so it's like probably I'm going to go with Prismari even with my Magic the Gathering uh, I- issues with it because again I just like the the sort of showy of it the the pomp and circumstance you know like they have like these almost like performative arts that's yes uh, some kind of performative art situation I think I would get a kick out of yeah the Prismari are definitely like the most fun and also they're wielding the elemental magic they are super powerful uh, they're cool. All right, so Chris, what did you think about this section then, this opening chapter? I liked how I liked that it gives an overview of the whole campus, and then it breaks off into all the different uh, sections. Um, they it gives you enough information of each college to where you can uh, start to, as a player, you can start to think of how you ab- about making a character that would that could potentially reside at that college uh, and figuring out, okay, would, would this fit in better here? Or maybe do I need to go um, in uh, silver quail versus uh, um, uh, lore holds or kind of like helps you uh, um, guide one way or another on uh, um, what you want to want to do in this world. Yeah, it's I, I think it runs it's super smooth and I think also we probably should have said this at the beginning, just some some overview of Strixhaven. Uh and they kind of break this down. Strixhaven is it was it's a magical school. People from all over the realms, um the whatever the planes or whatever. Even the here. even multiversal. It's a multiversal Multiverse. school. Everybody comes here. The school was originally founded by four founding dragons. Five founding dragons. Each one is associated with the school. Now they are gone. They're doing their own thing. And the school is now run by deans. And then the oracle who kind of oversees everything about the school. But the oracle's kind of off doing their own thing. It's very weird. And then from there, though, yeah, five very unique schools. Uh, and that's kind of that's kind of awkward. And there's a pretty interesting uh, lore associated with those oracles. Yeah. Like, there's a specific name for them. I can't think of it right now. It's like it's like a weird. The name archaics. Yes. Is that what it is? Yeah, oracles. Yeah, there's this whole idea of the oracles. When they're done being the oracle, they become archaics. But this is secret, and so we should probably have spoiler tagged this. But you'll forget this by the time you get to this when you're running the adventure. Yeah. We're or playing the adventure. We're gonna try to be spoiler light, but you know. If we drop yeah. one here or there, it is what it is. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah. and for the characters, um, when you if you start this a game like this campaign in first level, you just kind of go to the university as a whole. But starting at second level, you have to choose which one of these colleges you go into, and it does have some thematic and uh, yeah. you know story elements that would be associated with it. I don't think it really makes a big difference mechanics wise that I saw necessarily, which was kind of a disappointment, but thematically but again if you have the harry potter uh analogy like do all the characters have to join the same college you don't have to the, the adventures don't assume that you do but i kind of feel like it makes more sense if you do 
but that muscle might limit. And I should also say that 90% of the characters that go to the school here are spellcasters, but they do have a little bit of wiggle room for like barbarians that might go there because of their oath of the ancestry sort of, or paladin's oath of ancestors and the, and the barbarians have one as well. But for the most part, if you're in this school, you're probably a wizard cleric or a warlock or some other. No, there's like very little mention of a warlocks in here. I was pretty salty about that. I don't know why it was very lots of. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, but you're talking about character options. So that brings us into chapter two. And folks, if you're looking for character options, remember, this is not a character book. This is a campaign an adventure. So there's actually only nine pages of character options here. All right. So the only real big thing that we get is the Owlin race. And so this is also following the same, the, the ability score increases that were kind of in, introduced in Tasha's and then have kind of carried forth in all the other books where you're not coming in with any sort of hard-coded uh, skill benefits or skill boosts. Uh, you get to pick your own. So, but what makes the Owlin special is that they, yes, all right, so they're getting dark vision, they're getting flight, which, like, everything in D&D at this point has flight, so whoop-de-doo. But, so I think one of the coolest things that you get is you get proficiency in stealth skill, which I think is kind of cool. I like the, I, these owl people, they're kind of weird looking, but, you know, I would, I guess that, like, bipedal like humanoid owls would look weird anyway so it is what it is uh i don't get that their flight speed is the same as their walking speed and maybe that's other uh class or ancestors have that too but that makes no sense i don't know i can't i think the other really big one is the yeah i don't know i think they usually used to list out the flight speed but i think they're just kind of like yeah it doesn't matter just the same as walking speed anyway uh the yeah, uh, yeah. Um, other than that, then we get some, we get some, we get some backgrounds. All right, we get some spells. We get some magic items. All right. The well, big, I, big, so big, I got to ask. There's already been some controversy online I've seen because I guess mathematically, mechanically, these backgrounds are more powerful versions of ones that already exist because they do like the same as one thing plus and more stuff. So the questions have been: Would you let someone take one of these backgrounds if you're not playing in a strict saving campaign? I'm going to say no. But I don't think I would take those if I was playing a Strict Seven campaign either, because they're kind of boring, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, really, what these, what these, what these backgrounds are doing—it's these this whole idea of initiate. So these are the people, these are the kids you knew in high school that they had their eyes set on a particular college, all right, and they were going to do everything to get into the school, and their parents were going to do whatever they could to get them into that school. And that's what these backgrounds are. It's basically you're an initiate. You want to get into one of these schools. And really what it all is doing is you are getting an expanded spell list, all right, which is cool depending on which school you're going to. But the thing, Michael, that you're talking about is that this gives you access to the feat, all right, the Strixhaven Initiate feat, which what this does is it's not that big of a deal. It lets you cast a first level spell as like a bonus without like using up a spell slot. It's a first level spell. Whoop-de-doo. Get over it, people. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, we get some spell lists and some magic items. Uh, that's kind of it. My big disappointment here, I, I, I definitely, I went into this knowing this is not a character book, so it needs to be minimal. This is not the goal here. But I was really, really hoping for a bunch of spells. Like, I was like, there needs to be, a, there was only a few spells 
It's like there should have been a bunch of spells here. I get it. Spells are one of the most difficult things to design in D&D. But, you know, magic school. Give us some more magic spells. But it's anyway, a magic you guys... the gathering crossover? Yeah, I don't know. Especially when you consider that... Uh... If like in the world, the biblioplex has it just has all these books. You would think that they would have all these different like spells that from that have been cast or learned at the school. So yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. with you there. Okay, well let's talk about these spells then. All right, Be, all right. Let's talk about our favorites. So Michael, what's your favorite spell? So the one I chose because they're not again. There's not that many of them, but I took Vortex Warp which is a second level conjuration spell. It's a con save against, and if they fail, then you can forcibly teleport a creature um, up to 90 feet, within within sight of 90 feet, and but they can't go off a cliff. There's some rules, like it has, they have to be able, be able to go someplace that's not going to like just outright kill them. But I do think that that offers up a lot of opportunity for uh, like combat strategy, to put someone in a place they don't want to be and just hijinks on campus. You know, I, that's what I thought. Like you could be like putting people on top of fountains or, you know, in, in high ledges, just fun stuff that you might do. Like you could probably have, like if you have a couple people working in conjunction, like I throw you 90 feet, then you throw me 90 feet above you and I throw you 90 feet and you like scale buildings, like tandem style. That seems like something fun you do in college. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, I I dig it. I also say this. This is second level spell. There is only that's it. It only goes up to second level spells, which is also kind of disappointing because this up this adventure goes up to level ten. So it's like, come on, give us something bigger. All right. So uh, Chris, what about yourself? Uh, I went with the aptly named Wither and Bloom. Um, it is a second level ne- uh, necromancy spell um, that kind of is a uh, con save of, uh, uh, area of effect of creatures that you choose. And if uh, you they fail, they take 2d6 necrotic damage or half on a success. And then in addition to that, uh, one creature uh, of your choice in that area can spend and roll uh, one of their unspent hit dice and uh, uh, regain some of that. I dig it. I, I like the idea of if hurting people and uh, healing them or healing other people. Yeah. Hurt them. Hurt them. Help me. Help me. <laughs> so the spell that I took, all right, is specific for my warlock builds is silvery barbs. All right. So the, this spell also kind of made a, some, uh, some splash on the internet. All right. Because it's a reaction spell. And all good spells for combat casters are reactions. All right, what this allows you to do is basically you create uncertainty in people. And you, all right, you then, if if the dungeon master rolls for a monster and they roll a hit, you get to then make them roll another d20 and they have to take the lower one, okay? And also... On your next, or then you pick somebody, you pick a chosen creature, they have advantage on their next roll, all right? So this is a first level reaction spell, and it's also one of the spells that you can pick as far, as part of the Strixhaven initiate feed. So you get to just cast this for free and then not use a spell slot, all right? So this is, 
this is awesome. So, Michael, also, this means you can't fudge dice because they then, because I need to know that you rolled a high number and then I need to know what your low number is, too. I could still make those numbers up. I guess you could. Um, So, yeah, no, I, I like this a lot because specifically because now players can milk the legendary resistances um, from the big monsters. So your big monsters, they roll their dice. Most of the time they're passing anyway, because their their bonuses are so high. But now they're rolling two dice, taking the lower. A smart dungeon master is going to take that legendary resistance. So a smart player, since they have extra uses of this because of their Strixhaven initiate feats, you can really milk to get those legendary resistances out of the way. So it's cool. It's definitely, a, I feel like, a power build. And plus, uh, in later levels, you, you do, you're not using your first level slots uh, very often. So that's even more uses. Yep. It's awesome. So I dig that. So anyway, uh, what's your all's, guys, you got anything else to add to this? Any general thoughts about these nine pages? Did this also include the magic items? Or are we doing that next? Uh, it also included magic items. I asked you all to pick a magic item before I really looked at them. They're all primers. So, uh, yeah. there's 10 of them. Two of them are just see the DMG. And then of the eight that are actually <laughs> here, five of them are primers, which basically each school has a primer. It's a book. It basically gives you a D for, it's like a bless for a specific skill check. Uh, and then it lets you cast one spell without a spell slot if you're holding, I think. It's basically what they all do. Each of the skills are different based on the college and the spell list based off that. But that's like most of the spell magic items. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, let's talk about you, you. You wrote down that you really dug the the mascot here. Yeah, just the mascots in general as just a flavor of uh, for each college. Um, each college gets their own special kind of mascot that's they can summon um, as actually part of the Strixhaven mascot feat um, that you can get at level four. Lorehold gets a spirit statue, uh, Prismari, an art elemental, Quandrix uh, uh, gets a fractal, Silverquill gets an inkling, and Witherbloom gets a pest. So, and they all do different things. uh, and then the cuddly Strixhaven mascot item, it's just a t- small uh, plush that that you can uh, have it a- attached to you for an hour. Um, and while that is attached to you, you can use it to fight off fear and get advantage on uh, one fear check um, that, uh, that you can use for, for long rest. So it's just one of those small items that can create that kind of like those small moments that uh that uh i kind of like yeah i dig being able to these bonuses for fear checks like a lot i mean it would have been even this would be even more powerful if dragons still had frightful presence uh so um the i guess that's yeah that's kind of it and that takes us over to chapter three this gets us into the campaign, all right? The campaign overview is very much that there is a, nef- I'm, I'm going to be spoiler free. There is a nefarious force, all right, that is causing problems every year that you're at school, all right? So this is very much follows that Harry Potter structure where each adventure is another year at school. And you have the same bad guy every year 
causing those problems. And until the very last adventure, where it kind of accumulates into a final confrontation with this bad guy. So, but chapter three, before it even gets into the adventure, we've got a lot of other stuff. And Michael, you want to talk about these things? Yeah. So, you know, again, uh, you're at a school, so they they want to try to make this feel different than, you know, your typical D&D adventure, you know, situation. So they've created some rules and some things for you to try to do to try to make it feel like you are in a college. So there are new rules for like relationships. So there are a bunch of NPCs that are in the adventures we're about to talk about, but obviously you can make up your own and you may choose for one of these relationships to try to develop and become like uh, like a romantic relationship or a more deep uh, partnership. You also can have rivals. So very much you have your Hermione and Ron or your Draco and, you know, the rest of the Slytherin. Uh, so there's new rules for like tracking these relationships and you can get bonuses or banes depending on where they are. And, in, in, you know, on the I think there's only three levels. It's like plus one, zero or negative one. Uh, you have tests that you have to take during the your year that each adventure covers, and you have to like study for it. So you have rules for how you prepare. Then you have the actual exam itself. Sadly, it almost always boils down to rolling a skill check. Uh, it it maybe maybe rolling with advantage, maybe or sort of a situation. Uh, you have extracurriculars that you can do, uh, like Dead Languages Society, Dragon Chess Club, Cheer Squad, um, Student Mages of Faith, which I think is kind of a fun little thing. Uh, they give you bonuses, I think, to certain skills. Uh, each one comes with some additional NPCs that might come into your life that could eventually become a rival or uh, or partner, lover uh, type of thing. Uh, you have jobs. So again, I was someone who had to do jobs on campus as part of my uh, financial aid. Kind of thought that was fun. So you have different jobs that you might have your character do. And if you you know, don't fulfill your commitments to those jobs, then you lose access to the bonuses you have there. So I think this is kind of a fun aspect, but I just wish the rules were a little bit more than just binary. Yes, you have them. No, you don't. And basically make a skill check. Yeah, so I totally agree with you here, Michael. The I like the extracurriculars because to me, these are just flavor things that we add in. All right, those are great. Lots of lists of different clubs and stuff. Super cool. All right, then we get into this relationships thing. It is the most cumbersome rule set I've ever read for something that is so simple. Uh, so I would, it's just so, I'm like trying to read it. Like, how does this work? It's very, it's very, I found it very confusing. What I did like about the relationship section is that the, there is a, one of the coolest new layout things they've ever done. We get, think they, they went against the grain. They did something different. We get these great NPC portraits with a little like bit about them. And this is super cool. Like, ignore the relationship stuff and just use this as your NPCs in your event, in your campaign. And I feel like as the me personally, I wouldn't feel as burdened. That, the relationship stuff, just was giving me a headache. Like, it just I think this is the strength of that Magic the Gathering crossover is, again, you kind of mentioned some of the Magic the Gathering art, which is just flat out incredible. And this is a really, you know, fleshed out world. I, that's probably my favorite part of the book is this NPC list. I absolutely loved that. Yeah, trying to wrap my head around the relationships, I was like, okay, do you, 
how do these uh, interaction uh, encounters work? Is it just a do you role play and then afterwards kind of like see where it goes? It reminds me a lot of the uh, video games like Persona um, or um, Mass Effect, where you have these kind of encounters and your how you respond will increase or decrease uh, their thoughts of you, your character and. I can see where the inspiration is it's but it's i think it's just trying to be it, they're trying to codify it when it really doesn't need to be yes i couldn't agree more it's yeah. th- these exactly they wanted to add something extra to here where i don't think they needed to do that this was these npcs are so strong on their own right so they carry themselves but I do like the inspiration of making sure the DM keeps in mind that, you know, this is a college atmosphere. You're going to have these relationships. You might build friendships that last you forever. You might have those rivals, which, again, is very much a Harry Potter thing, but it is also a the magician's thing. So I'm glad that's in there. But, yeah, I, I don't think the rules that they created for this add anything other than just maybe, like, have a couple extra pages that talk about how this could happen more of an organic role play situation. So uh, inspiration, yes. Mechanic execution, no. Yeah. The, also, the let's, let's talk about the, the tests that you have to take. They're just like straight up like like a roadblock in the middle of the adventures. They don't do add anything to the adventures. They're on these random subjects. And that Michael, yeah, like you kind of said, it always just comes down to a, a skill roll, which yes, that is the that is the core mechanic in Dungeons and Dragons. But it's just so it always just feels like, oh, here's this this list of knowledge that you need. And you really don't need it. You just at the end of the time, you just roll a dice. It's like so. Yeah, yeah and, it didn't work. So th- I guess this is probably my, my biggest frustration with the book because I do like the book. I mean, overall, I'm I'm pretty positive on this book. But I have some some nitpicks, and this is probably one of, of my biggest. And I think this is – I just want them to lean in it more heavily. Yep. You have a school for wizards, essentially, right? And you have tests that you have to take. Why not just lean in and make this like a Magic the Gathering style thing where it's a magic – Thing that you have to do you have to defeat a thing with magic that it's not a skill role it's essentially yeah. like a combat where you it's have to encounter. use spells and maybe make this where you can use the spells that aren't actually in the game and you get to do the cool like all these other spells that come in and you have to choose like you get three spells and then you you have to go against a thing as a team and it's a monster or it's a trap it's a pit like there are so many so many more ways that you can make this interesting and fun and challenging rather than you just have to spend time at it. Because in theory, this is something your character spends a lot of time studying for. And if they don't pass their exam, it's a big deal. But in reality, it's going to be a five-minute conversation. You're going to roll a skill check. You're either going to pass or fail. And then you're going to roll your exam, which if you pass your, your study, you get a bonus for. If you failed your study, you get a negative. Like, that's so boring, but you have Magic the Gathering as an inspiration. Let's have that be the test. Yes. So, Sorry. no, I... Off my, off my soapbox. No, no, that's okay. So, but this thing opens up with the very first adventure. All right. And th- I love this adventure. And this slash, like, started this whole, like, campaign out so well. This adventure is your first. So, give it, we're going to give a general overview. We won't go too deep into them. But... This first adventure, the whole concept here, it's your first year at school. Uh, you meet your 
friends, and we're going to start with orientation day. So if, um, anybody who uh, anybody who decided to go to college, you remember that there was these terrible first day orientations where they were trying to do team building with kids and people that you would never see again because you're all going to different schools. And they kind of really captured that here where they have you do this really contrived scavenger hunt, which just ends with a mimic. And I think that this really sets the tone for the school because it says straight up in here that a mimic bursts out and the the professor who's supposed to be watching it is just like, yeah, guys, take care of this for me. So it's very much like, I, I feel like they're not trying to, like, this is a dangerous place. So they're not trying to hide that, which I think works really well because D&D, at the end of the day, a lot of stuff comes down to combat. So just because it's at a school, this is a magical, dangerous school still. There's stuff that's going to happen. And so what this campaign then, what this adventure does then, which I love, is it feels very sandboxy. There are four events that happen in your first year on campus. These events are tied together, and they all have similar clues in them. So something happens, and then a few months later, something else happens. You're like, oh, this is very similar to this previous thing. And it's very easy for players to connect the dots here, where it kind of this kind of sets the tone that, oh, there's somebody who's doing things at school. I wonder who it is. I'll see you guys next year. So it's very much, um, it just works really well. I, I love how it just, it introduces the certain very, the very important central locations at the school. Uh, and it didn't feel railroady at all. It felt like I could take any of these encounters and shuffle them around and do what I wanted. And it really gave me, as a dungeon master, I felt like I had room to breathe and let my players explore the campus with it. So I think overall, this just worked so well for me. Uh, do you guys have it? I know that we were, do you guys have a chance to check this one out? Do you guys have any thoughts about this first one? I thought it does a pretty good job, again, of starting things off. It still feels like you're in college. And again, I don't think we can get away from the Harry Potter uh, connections. You know, this is your first thing. Your adventure is pretty light. You're basically exploring the the biblio. Uh, I keep on saying biblioteca because of community biblioplex. So yeah, I thought it was a fine. I, like I don't think it's an inspired adventure, but it's a fine adventure, and it seems like it would probably be fun to run and get people maybe who aren't coming to the table with an extensive Magic the Gathering lore knowledge to kind of start to explore the school. So I think it, it does a good job of what it's supposed to do. Yeah, for sure. I dug it. Chris, do you have anything? Um, Yeah, it's first year class or like uh, curriculum. It's, it does a good job of presenting the, the campus, giving you a chance to explore tour and all. And then just some of the events that you can do. It's, it's very much, it, it, it nails the living on campus and just do things happening. Exactly. I got that same vibe. I I did feel like this is like, okay, this is a, this is the experience that I want to get running a college themed campaign. And so I thought that was awesome. So, but anyway, that's, yeah, that's the very first, very good opening adventure. So Chris, you got, all right, what's yep. year two? 
Oh, my I, I have the next one. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you yeah. got this I took, one. I have the second one. So we have we uh, have words. Yeah, I do not like the second adventure. Okay, yeah. at all. Uh, again, I'm pretty positive on the book. It just by by happenstance, I got this the one that I'm going to cover. And again, these are adventures, so we're going to cover them high level. We're not going to give a lot of spoilers. But this is the second adventure that your characters would participate in if you follow the book through. Uh, the adventure starts with your characters at level four. They would end at level six. And essentially the main parts, there is something that's called the Battle of Strixhaven, which is something that happens every three years. It's like an intramural sort of competition. So even if your characters aren't part of the same college you can form a team and you will compete and part of the adventure has to do with like rivalry with the other team that has formed that is like your main competition you can gain points in the standing of the other students if you're doing well there's uh, a practice that happens and there's like an encounter that can happen there there's a couple different steps along the way and it ends with uh the battle for Strixhaven again as it's as it's uh, sort of sold but I just don't like the adventure at all. I don't think it's structured very well. I think it's pretty boring. And again, I think they could have taken the Magic the Gathering theme and applied it to the, the exams. But okay, sure, they don't want to do that. But surely, if there is a big battle for Strixhaven, campus-wide competition, this is going to be sort of a simulation of magic where your characters come together, maybe like a general or a three-headed giant situation. No, it's basically capture the flag with animated mascots it's dumb it's quidditch it's their version of quidditch it's, it, i would think quidditch would even be more fun but yeah i i just again i think the first and third and fourth adventures are, are better i just by happenstance i feel like i'm being very negative here though i was no, my no, choice no. To, to do this this adventure is not cool chris what do you what, what do you think about this when you agree with michael um I don't know. It's I can definitely see where it's kind of it. It definitely meanders a bit, um, or it's too focused on the big game with not a whole lot of payoff on it. Um, but it, there's little moments that I like about it. Um, it's like there's a there's a contest where you have to stack uh, um, or a pest to uh, and to. Uh, any social gathering in and i thought that's like it's like jenga with like animated pets and it turns into a combat which fine i would rather play actual jenga <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah my so my big problem with this one is the first adventure worked so well for me because i felt like each of the small each of the encounters in the campaign strung together very well this they yeah like you were kind of saying it kind of it kind of meanders a little bit and what really bothered me here was and this is i'm gonna just at the beginning it says that there are the this may be spoilers but it's i'm i don't care the the evil force has basically sent in two of these mage hunter creatures all right to wreak havoc but i didn't feel that threat throughout the entire this entire adventure until the very end it's like the mage hunters appear. So I was like, that doesn't make any sense. It just kind of, I, I just, this didn't flow really well for me, especially because these mage hunter creatures, which, all right, Chris, you play, you play some magic. All right. All right. These things are so awesome. Like these are some of the coolest things 
However, I love the idea that there's this wizard school, and now we're going to send in these mage hunting monsters. That's awesome. So I love that. And I just felt like these things were underutilized. But since they brought up, what's a mage hunter? Mage hunters are these creatures that are essentially used to kind of uh, scent mages, and they have to they they hunt hunt them down and very kind of I don't want to say predator like, but it's it they they kind of remind me of that kind of hunt. They'll once they get your scent, you can't hide from them. Yeah, I was getting some Xeno, some alien Xenomorph vibes. Yeah, the art is more Xenomorph. Uh, they're they're yeah. the monster that I picked for the bestiary. So the biggest thing about them I think that's kind of interesting is if you attack them with a spell, which they hunt mages, so you're probably going to attack them with a spell, right? If you're within sixty feet of them, they only take half damage from any spell, and you got to save or you take the other half. All right, well we'll save that then for we'll let you talk about them more, Michael. Um, the all right, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you here, Michael. I just, I, I wish that we would have seen more of the mage hunters in this. Or the Battle of Strixhaven being a something more than Quidditch slash capture the flag. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the second adventure. And that leads us into the Magister's Masquerade. So Chris, this one was yours. What'd you think? Give us the overview. I like it. Like it was, I, it's a lot of fun. Um, a lot of, a lot of a good mystery because at the start of the third year, you get, um, uh, you get an invite to what's known as the Magister's Masquerade. Um, it's this big event that is run and all third years are part of the planning committee. So there's your kind of involvement throughout the year doing, uh, prep work and such but there's also this kind of mysterious sickness kind of going around that uh, it's more mischief that is being uh, wrought through the school and you're just slowly piecing together like where this is where the source is and who's involved and there's a couple different events that kind of go on leading up to the masquerade or there's a fashion show there's your uh to kind of help in my opinion help players uh who are need help coming up with a design for their their what they're wanting to wear there's a day of um setting up the hall but uh, and there are other events that happen that you get involved in a, uh, you get challenged to a midnight duel. Um, and so you have to sneak out to, to deal with that and have uh, event uh, things go awry there. Yeah, this one worked really well for me, especially because at the end, it, you get the first encounter with the bat, big bat, all right? And I love this so much. And this is the first time I've ever seen this in a D&D book. And we, this is the first time we see it in this book, but then we see it a few more times in the final adventure. And what this thing is I'm talking about is whenever you run into an important NPC or an important bad guy, players will sometimes ask questions all right, to this NPC. And as the DM, you want to give them information that's going to help them, but not really spoil too much or give them too much information. 
So what they do here is when you first run into the big bad of this campaign is they're just basically they give the dungeon master five questions that your players are probably going to ask, such as who are you? What do you want? Why are you doing this? And then uh, why are you after us? And then another more adventure specific question. And it tells you what to tell the players. So these are almost like clues but then also kind of provide some context to the players with, and it's very specific, like this is what they should know for the adventure. And I love this. It's this is good DM tool right here. So Michael, do you have any thoughts? I, I like this one a lot better. I, again, it does sort of evoke the, the Harry Potter Triwizard Tournament, the the ball. Yes, so the tri- yep. the Battle Strixhaven is more the, the Triwizard Tournament, but the, 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 getting dressed up you know again this is more of a college so it's a little bit different that's you know basically they were like high schoolers or late middle schoolers but maybe if this is your first like social thing you dress up you you know there might be some anxiety around who you're going to go with who's who's going so i really love the role play aspect of that as much as anything else uh and yeah i, I think this this one actually was seems like it would be a lot of fun to run almost as is where i think the one that i covered would require a lot more finagling for my style of demon but this one i could definitely sink my teeth into and have a lot of fun with gotcha in this chapter, I felt like the exams, or at least like the first uh, couple, it felt more uh, involved in terms of what's going, or kind of gives background into what's going on in this year. So it 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 didn't feel to me like a just a simple check. Um, it's it you it gives you more information to kind of give to the players almost. I, I would say because I didn't read it that in depth, so I don't know specifically what you're talking about. So I may just be repeating what you're hinting at. But if this was a true campaign, Harry Potter style, each year your exams would require some sort of like studying that would help you solve the mystery. Like you would have to go to the library and find a specific book and you would find that it's been checked out and you find out who checked it out before you. Like there would be these clues that were laid in through that the exam and study work wasn't just a check. It would actually be, oh, if you study, you're going to get this extra clue that might lead you to the, the person faster or you'll have an advantage when you get there. So I definitely think if I was going to run this, I would probably interweave that in a little bit more so that if you actually do some studying, what you're studying, like the specific spells or, you know, what classes you're going to, that's going to help build into the mystery of what's going on and help you solve the mystery of what's going on. Nice. All right. Yeah. This is a very, uh, very cool, a very, another very light adventure. And then, then we get to the final adventure in the campaign. This is what's going to take you from like level eight to ten. All right, this is very much the this is like the last few episode, the last few um, movies in the Harry Potter series where all of the the tones, the color tones have shifted from very bright colors to everything's very gloomy. This is not the the warm taverns of the first year. Uh, this is. Everybody is like, the last three years have been terrible. Now this year there's more threats. And it's just very, campus feels very dangerous. And I like this. And then I also really, what I like about this, this final campaign, this final adventure here, is that the whole the whole structure here is that the the deans are starting to figure out that 
who may be behind this, all right? And obviously the players ran into this person in, in the previous adventure, all right? And so this adventure, though, the deans are not trying to coddle the you, the players or the adventures. They're like, okay, you guys are fourth-year students. By this time, you're very accomplished mages. We need your help. We need you all to help us save Strixhaven. So what this adventure is, it's you all getting the final clues and finding out where the main villain is and the, the ritual that they're trying to perform to wreak absolute havoc and death and destruction on Strixhaven. And so what you're trying to do is find the villain, go to where he is, stop the ritual, and bring him to justice. Whether that means killing him or bringing him to the deans for trial, that's up to you and the players. So this adventure, I feel like it it just it ends in a really satisfying way. There's some there's a couple of really cool dungeons here, but they're not overly complicated dungeons, which um I mean, I have my I'm not a big fan of really big sprawling dungeons, and I feel like a lot of final parts of adventures usually end in giant dungeons, which I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of people like dungeons, but I feel like this really sets continues the same tone that we got with a lot of the other previous adventures. Um, and also we're going to absolutely run into some very, very deadly and dangerous threats here. Um, mostly, you know, we're going to be running into some, some blood mages, all right, uh, which are a secret society of, this is my biggest problem with the book. I'm going to say it right now. All right. I've told you guys on our Twitter thread. All right. The blood mages are not the main villain. All right. So for anyone who's played the Strixhaven and you're like, or the the magic cards and you're like, oh, these are the blood, these are blood mages. These are the bad guys. They're not. All right. They went a different route with this. Um, and then me, as somebody who knows nothing about Strixhaven, I'm reading this book. I'm like, these these blood mages are awesome. They're like a secret society of like people who want to kill mages and take over the college. Like this is great. Um, but these guys are not the they're not the main villain. All right. So uh, there, it, I think if the Blood Mages would have been the main villain, I think the tone would have been a lot different. I think it would have been a much darker tone than what they were trying to go for with this. So I think they still, if they still kind of, I feel like they still nailed it. I really liked it. Uh, and I really enjoyed how this campaign ends. You all are the heroes of Strixhaven. You know, they're going to put up a, uh, definitely you, you'll get a, a black and white picture that'll put be put in some sort of trophy case in the halls. Um, and then in 40 years, uh, nobody will ever remember you. Maybe you'll get a hall named after you, maybe a building, a dorm. You'll get a dorm named after you, maybe. Um, so I, I this, I, I really did like this. We also, it's just cool. Um, it ends really well. It's very simple. This is the shortest adventure. I'll say this. All the other adventures were much longer. This is only 22 pages. So it's it's very, very direct. You know what you need to do. And I love that. So anyway, what do you guys think about the campaign as a whole in this final uh, adventure? You dig it? It's a lot of fun. A lot of, a lot of similar fa- flavor to where like you can have that through line, but it's not so much of the same thing that it's once you like get do this same kind of activity a couple times, it's going to get boring. 
Yeah, um, I think it changes, keeps things change, uh, changed up just enough. Yeah, each of the adventures has a very different tone to them. It's, you're doing different yeah. things. So I like that. They don't all feel samey. I would agree as well. And I'll just throw it in here. You know, who is this book for? I yep. think is a question that you need to ask yourself. I don't know that if I were to like get my regular D&D group together and say, hey, let's play some D&D. I want to run Strixhaven, that that would necessarily be the best choice. But if I have a group of players who are like, we love Harry Potter, or we love community, or we love the magicians, or if there's, I'm sure there's a billion other magical school uh, equivalents, and we want to run a game where we get to kind of have that experience, this is a great book for that. It gives you a lot of tools that you can use, some I wouldn't use, some I would, uh, that would help you devise an encounter. Because if you have people who are like, oh, I want my character to have the crappiest job in the world but i still have to go and i maybe my boss doesn't like me or maybe like we're we're rivals the person who's above me is like a year above me and they're the ones that have to make my schedule and they're going to give me a schedule it means i can't do this other stuff with my friends and they really get into the role play aspect of the relationships that you would have in a school setting this could be a ton of fun so the right group this book is gold in my opinion but for the average group it's got some cool stuff in it yeah this is a real. These are really well written adventures. I'll say that they they really are. And I mean, people know I don't get it. I don't get a lot of time to run. Uh, there's so much, so many games to play uh, nowadays. But if I, I no, I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic or anything. Like if I were to go back to running the D and D hardcover adventures with my group, I would probably go to this one because it's four adventures. It's brief. It's only levels one to ten. And it, it's just, they've done so much of the heavy lifting for the Dungeon Master, which is what a good adventure should do. So, that's my thought, Chris. Uh, a wrap-up of the campaign as a whole. And like like we, it's been said, like it, it simulates a, a magic college or uh, a, almost very, very nicely. I, I love that, sure, NPCs are around, but they don't like uh, tell you this NPC is going to be needed for this one. So it gives you that option to put NPCs that your players have already interacted with or uh, could want to interact with more. So it gives you that freedom to put uh, to place with what you what's needed. Yeah, I, mean, I think we've talked about that in the DM advice. If you have you know four NPCs that you introduce at a party and they latch on to this one then that's the one that's going to keep showing up in these other places. You know, if they have somebody who they form a rivalry with, with those are the, that's the NPC that's going to keep showing up in these places rather than, oh, in this location, here's who it is. The books will say, pull out an NPC they've already interacted with and put them here. And I mean, again, that's just great GM advice, I think. Yeah, I don't know if I, I, if I were to run any of the ventures, I'd want to run the whole campaign. I don't, I, I they do a good job of being self-contained adventures, but I feel like, the completionist in me wants to uh, run the whole story at, uh, from start to finish. I don't want to take Adventure Three or Adventure Two uh, and do that, run that separately. It, it, it's it flows nicely together. Yeah, I want to do. I actually want to. I actually don't want to run this campaign at all now. I just want to do a Strixhaven graduates campaign where they're hunting down blood mages and blood hunters that to me that's actually so i actually have a new campaign that's actually i'm gonna run a strixhaven adjacent campaign 
Nice. Uh, now, I'm just looking at this art because I flipped over to our final section we're going to talk about is the Bessieri. And it kicks it off. This is such an amazing, dynamic piece of art with a blood hunt, uh, the, these blood mages um, and the mage hunters fighting some wizards. Ah, so good. All right. So the society so is called Orc. Orc. Not Orc. Or, okay. Okay. So we get to friends and foes. All right. We get 44 new monsters. You're like, whoa, this is so many monsters. Uh, but most of them are really low level CRs, which kind of makes sense because this is only one to 10. So you're not fighting those big things. So these are not for you to just dump into any campaign. A lot of these are very specific for this. Also, I will say this. You will need the monster manual to run this adventure. All right. That's kind of a given now. Um, but the what the Friends and Foes gives us is it gives us all the low-level monsters that we're going to be fighting. But then it gives us the, the high CR stuff, which are the Founder Dragons, the Oracle, the Archaic, and then the Demigoth Titan, which I don't think um, you encounter in the adventures, but I'm sure there's a magic card. You, you encounter a Demigoth. But I'm sure there's a magic card of a demigoth titan that they just had to throw in here. Uh, the same reason that they throw in the founder dragons. Because the founder dragons don't appear in this adventure at all. But they're there. If you want them. So, uh, with that out of the way, I asked all of you to pick your favorite here. Alright. Uh, so, Chris... What was your favorite monster from the bestiary, and why is that? Um, I kind of alluded to it at earlier, um, and I went with the mascots. Uh, just they're nice, different options to uh, um, if you wanted to have a familiar. Each each one does uh, something that is very much reminisc- reminiscent of uh, that relates to their college. Um, the Inkling mascot, for example, it's just a blob of ink um, that uh, can ink spray and blind uh, um, an opponent uh, a day, uh, once a day. Um, you have fractals, which are almost almost like just this mathematical construct, so, uh, and that you can shrink or augment to different size categories to fit what you need but it, it's just i there it's nice uh companion that you can have grow with you once you reach the point where you can have a um uh familiar and i just thought those were all kind of nice additions to it nice yeah no i think they're super cool they're all very different and like you were saying they all just really match up with the schools real nicely so michael what about yourself? I know we kind of stole your thunder a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I took the Mage Hunter. Uh, so these are these sort of arachnid-looking creatures. That, though they actually do have two forms. They have a century form where they're just like a diamond shape that sort of hovers and flies around. But once it has sensed someone using magic, it will transform or shift uh, form into this arachnid sort of shape that does look a lot like a xenomorph. And uh, basically will track down those wizards and then kill them. It's a CR5. And it has magic sense, so the hunter knows the location of every spellcaster, active spell, and magic item within 120 feet of itself. I can think of lots of cool ways that we could use that 
ability as part of a campaign rather than just fighting these things, though that would be cool too. It can spider climb. Uh, it has multi-attack with its claws. It can do a tail attack, which is also a grapple. And uh, again, I think I already mentioned it has a reaction. Anytime it takes damage from a spell, it only takes half the triggering damage. And if the person or thing that caused the damage was within 60 feet, they have to make a saving throw or they take the other half. So for something that is tracking down magic users, this could be a very deadly and interesting to run encounter. And I really like that. Uh, I have up my own version. If you listen to Dark Discovery, which is a campaign we played for a while on our show, I have a mage hunter sort of warforged construct that I have used that has some similar type of abilities. Uh, so I had just I was immediately drawn to this one. Yeah, I love them too because I like any monster that's going to have immunity to being blinded, charmed, deaf, and frightened or prone. Like this takes away everybody's utility spells absolutely like you are gonna have to fight this thing toe to toe um no trickery getting out of this one so that's why you keep that barbarian around even though you're this is so this is so true you think about it like if uh, wizards are they're squishy like they are i mean that that's just how they're supposed to be made and these mage hunters will mess them up so hard between spider climb and everything oh it's great um, so I picked the Blood Mage because it's they're so awesome. Uh, I just think that they're so edgy and cool. I love that they're they they're attacks too. So they're a CR nine. You run into you will run into these um, in the final adventure. They are awesome. They have the ability to basically create uh, weapons out of blood. That's awesome. And then also Blood Boil. All right. This is one of their big, powerful attacks. It's an area of effect spell or attack. All right. Constitution saving throw. All right. But this is where, I mean, we all joke. I don't, I never kill players in D&D. That's kind of like my players joke about it, but it's so true. Um, but this right here, if a creature is reduced to zero hit points from this thing, they're dead. They're dead. So there's no saving throws here. They are dead. All right. That is crazy. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's cool, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I just like them so much. That's when I was reading their lore here. I'm like, oh, these should have these and the mage hunters should have been the big bats. But a few other notes that I have about the bestiary before I turn over to you guys, see what you all think. All right. So we just got fizz bands. So we got a ton of dragons. So I'm kind of tired of dragons, but the highest CR creatures in this book are dragons. Uh, and I just wanted to point something out that one of these dragons, Galazeth Prismari, it's a CR 23 dragon, but its breath weapon is more deadly than Tiamat's breath weapon. All right. From Fizzvans. All right. So just pointing that out there. So this dragon is rolling 14 D10s. All right. Whereas Tiamat, unfortunately, is only rolling 10 D12s, I believe. So, yes, it's D12s. They are objectively better. Yeah, they're objectively better, but we're getting some D10s. The dragons are super powerful. They're super cool. I was, like, very confused at first. Why is this dragon doing cold and fire damage? But then you guys explained that whole magic thing to me. Now it's all clicking. Um, 
It's all making sense. My other real annoyance here is that the Oracle has nothing to do with C in the future. So I was like, what? The Oracle just kind of teleports people around? That's not an Oracle. So, um, yeah, that was kind of weird to me. Uh, anyway, do you guys have any other kind of notes or highlights from the bestiary? Uh, the art's amazing because it's all it's from Magic Together. so good. Um, reading reading the uh, about the Oracle real quick, um, and I think I might have a reason why it's focusing on tele- it te- focuses on teleports uh, so much. Okay. Um, okay. Th- this current Oracle was a graduate of Quandrix College, so that is your mathematics, your um, um, your uh, what are they? What are the colleges? Um, uh, uh, substance and theory. So that that's the theory side of it of being okay. So, okay. Yeah, it def- definitely doesn't have uh, the seeing to the future side of it. But Oracle is, I think, more of a title than a job. In this okay. Scenario. Okay. Okay, I I see that. Yeah, this may just be me not under me just coming at it from like this is what an oracle is to me, which is not necessarily the lore behind it. Hmm. Okay, okay. And as for other thoughts, I kind of wish that all of the related um, blocks were together. I I wish that all of Lorehold College uh, related. Uh, um, creatures were together that includes that includes all the mages that includes the dragon and the mascots instead of it being alphabetical and you having to flip um to your matchings uh to find what you need i'm so glad you pointed this out because i had the exact same thought it was just like the dragon needs to be with the school the only one that it happened was the Silver Quills, all right? Just because of the naming, because the Silver Quill dragon's name is Shadrix, and then it goes from Shadrix to Silver Quill. So I was like, oh, this makes sense. The art is so concise. It almost like flows between the pages. It looks great. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So that's that. It just kind of ends. We have one appendix, which is a map. Um, and then there's no index or any sort of conclusion. It just kind of ends there. It's not even a blank page at the back. Super weird. Oh, yeah, there is. There's a black page. My bad. Sorry, guys. There's a black page that end everything. But then we get the big fold-out map. So, yep. uh, yeah, no, that's the book. All right, so let's get into our ratings and reviews. So I'll start with you, Tom. Art and layout, including any further discussion about the alt cover. Okay, so I love the alt cover. Um, I got the regular cover. The cover's okay. I, I mean... I, but what I, the art is awesome, and it's kind of a given. The Theros art was great. The Ravnica art was great. And I am so nitpicky about recycled art, but since I don't play Magic, I could care less about recycled art because I've never seen this art before. And I'm just like, wow, these D&D books have amazing art now. Um, so I love it. The layout here is... Awesome. So I'm giving this a. I forgot. We got to give it a letter rating. I'm gonna give it an. I'm gonna give it an A, Michael. All right. So Ooh. the reason that I'm doing this is because if they would have done what Chris said about grouping the monsters at the end in a different way, it would have got the A plus. But the way that these adventures are structured are so good. They present the information in such a clear, easy to use way. The campaign guide at the beginning 
with all of the schools being structured in the same way is great. The divergence from any sort of standard D&D book layout structure with the NPCs was awesome. Like, don't, I feel like all the D&D books you start reading, they all feel samey. Uh, an easy way to make something not feel samey is to change up the layout, present the information in a different way. And they do that with this. And I, I, I really did like it. Even like the little things as far as giving the DM like simple answers for player questions and the way that they structured those. It's just, it was cool and unique. So yeah, layout was so good in this book. And then the magic art. So, hey. I will say an A as well. I really like the alt cover on this one. There's just something about that purple. I just want to like lick this book. It's so pretty. And all the art inside is amazing. Absolutely love that. And there's a lot of it as well. I think like uh, there could be more. There could always be more. But there's a lot of art. I like it. The layout doesn't really bother me, but I do agree. It seems like it flows very well. The way it's structured where it's sort of like a primer for a campaign, but majority and adventure, I think helps with that layout because it just kind of makes more sense that way. Uh, but really no real negatives for me. I think it's a solid A. Chris? Um. I will continue to rave about the alt cover, um, especially the back one where it has all the um, college symbols on on it, or, or surrounded by the the kind of jewel I want to say it or, or pin. It's just beautiful, clean design, art throughout the book. Love it. Uh, I I loved seeing it on the magic cards. I love seeing it blown up uh, t- uh, on, bigger on the page. Layout, apart from the uh, bestiary, one kind of thing that's like that kind of threw me for a little loop was um, in chapter three when uh, before the first adventure began, you had all that uh, ex- the rules explain explaining about jobs, curriculum, or um, things like that. I feel like there was enough of that 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 could have been a separate chapter, and then have uh, the four chap following chapters just be the adventure yeah i agree actually that that would have been a good point i I don't know why that they didn't do that it's leading me to probably a i'm gonna go with a minus just on the kind of those things nice i'm not the most negative person this time this is great i love it okay all right, so next we go to fluff. Uh, so again, this is sort of the story elements, the lore. I'll go first here. I really like this. Again, I think it, it's it's almost like it's cheating because it's coming from magic. It has all this built-in lore already. All these characters and concepts are well-defined. Uh, again, I think it this is an inspiration sort of book for me. There's a lot to take from it. I really like that a lot. So I'm going to give it an A as well. I think the fluff's a lot of fun in this book. The the concepts, the the... You know, all the deans having these completely dichotic opposed viewpoints, but within the same college, that's a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, I I was inspired by this book. Even if I don't run the adventure, there's probably elements from this I would take. So A for me. Uh, So Chris, we'll go to you next. What do you think on Fluff? I think it did a fantastic job of presenting the information of the world. Even taking a step back and uh, trying to divorce myself of previous, uh, of the knowledge from the card game, it still did a good job of uh, presenting that the information in clean, clean ways and uh, clean and detailed. And so I loved it from a fluff perspective. It's an A. Tom. All right. So I'm going to give this an A as well, because the, 
even though that campaign section just wasn't super long at the beginning, I felt like I got all the information I needed to run a campaign here. I didn't feel like I needed anything else more to run a successful campaign, but it left me wanting more. And so I was like, this is this is such a cool world. And I really do like I would like to run this. I really would, which to me, that means like it was successful in what it was meant to do as far as the story goes. It's just super cool. Uh, Yeah, I just I really do. I really do like this fluff in this book. It's I dig it so much. I also think I really just think I like it because the whole idea of a secret society of mage killers like that is just you win me over with the little things, folks. All right. And then uh, Crunch. So actually, I'll start with you on this one, Chris. Quick reminder, Crunch. Uh, that's just that's like, like the. That's uh, like. So that's the new rules, new spells, new magic items, uh, you know, the new monsters, anything that's mechanically inclined that's new to this book or presented in a new way. Um, so with with the new the the new spells they're they're fun. Um, same with the magic or magic items. Um, even just like the how little or like they're not hugely powerful, but they're all, they're they fit the world nicely. The relationship I can see what they were trying to do, um, but that was probably a big stumbling block. Um, just trying to understand the rules that i i think down to it it's becomes a b plus i think that's it's that was the one stumbling point for me all right tom all right so i feel sick to my stomach because i've been way too positive all right so i'm gonna give this a c minus all right so there's a very specific reason there's this very specific reason all right the crunch here is so bad because I don't want to use it. And there's certain parts of it that actively infuriated me with the, the relationship stuff and then the tests. The only cool thing I think that I like out of this is the Silvery Barbs spell. The monsters are just kind of, for the most part, it's more dragons. It's kind of meh. Other than the, the, blood, the blood mage and the mage hunter, I feel like nobody really had anything cool. You could say the demigoths were kind of neat, uh, but it just didn't work for me. But the big thing for me that really just made me like question everything was that the fact that the big bad evil guy doesn't even have their own stat block. It's just like use the blood mage, use the blood mage stat block. I'm like this person doesn't even feel like a blood mage. Like I don't get where you're going with this. Just give it's the main bad guy just put one extra stat block in here for it what is it was so frustrating so c minus for me all right fair enough so i i also think the crunch is the weak link in this book i don't feel that strongly about it so i'm going to give it a b there's a couple things we didn't touch on there's uh like college specific trinkets uh in a bunch of the sections there's like these are some random encounters that could happen 
you know, to flesh out this adventure. Uh, there's uh, personality traits and stuff for developing NPCs, maybe on the fly that you might introduce from each college. So I think all that stuff is usable and nice to have. And it's a DM sort of, you know, it helps you as the DM try to do things if you're making up as you go. But yeah, the, the exam study stuff does not work for me. The relationship as a concept I like. I don't think the rules they came up with are that great. And to me, this was just the mostly it was a missed opportunity to not try to create a Magic the Gathering style game that is part of the college experience. I don't know. I just think that's a, I mean, I couldn't do it myself either. I'm not, maybe that's why they didn't do it. Cause it'd be really hard, but uh, like I started playing magic in college. So I do have a strong association with being in college and playing magic. So I just felt like that's a huge opportunity for them not to do something like that. I think that's a mess. So I'm going to give it a B overall for crunch. So then we come to our overall final rating. So calculating all that together and any other factors that you want, whether we discuss them or not, it's totally up to you. Tom, what is your final rating? All right, I'm going to give this an A. All right, I would definitely, the last, the reason I want to give it an A is because the last few adventure books that have came out, I just haven't been interested in running them. So, you know, uh, yeah, Witchlight was Witchlight was great. I mean, it was it was, but I didn't. I'm like, okay, take it or leave it. I mean, and then the I mean, I don't even remember the other ones. Candlekeep, we I mean that we did not think very highly of that one. But this is probably the first one since Ghosts of Saltmarsh where I was like, I really want to run this, and I really do. And so it's it's cool. And so I I dig this a lot. And I'll say this: like, if you're a magic band who plays D, you should run this for sure uh so i'll go next so for me overall it's a b plus uh, i think this is definitely a book that you should have if you have a group that you think it would be a great adventure for i can kind of see this being like a like a kid's adventure like if you actually have young kids you're playing and you could use it more like again they keep using harry potter like you're in grade school sort of magic school situation or if you have some older adults that just again would like to play the magicians or play community uh or again there's a lot of people that love harry potter as well uh even though jk Rowling apparently is a trash person <laughs> but i think that there's a lot of a lot of stuff in here that i think would be fun to play i think this is definitely a book you probably have and just that alt cover damn it it's beautiful i love it all right so chris bring us home final rating overall uh final rating it's going to be an a minus uh, for me um the world and campaign like do a great job of just explaining the world that it's it simulates a college experience uh, a fantasy college experience very well um if you have players that want that more social interaction than dungeon crawling i think this would be a home run to uh, um for them not to say that there isn't those kind of uh, dungeon uh, uh, exploration moments, but overall, I think if you are looking for a RP-centric uh, game uh, campaign, th- this is uh, good for you. Yeah, I will echo that completely. It doesn't feel very much like you're delving into dungeons, but it also doesn't feel like Witchlight with all the RP stuff kind of felt contrived. This stuff feels very, like, very good, well-fleshed out roleplay encounters. And yeah, this is just, I really do like this one. I'm so glad that I have the highest overall rating 
Uh, it's great. I love it when that happens. I think the last time it happened was with Van Richten's guide. And we all know that I'm uh, uh, Ravenloft, you know, snob. So, yeah, no, this is good stuff. I, I like this one. All right. Well, gentlemen, thank you both for joining me. Uh, once again, thank you to Wizards of the Coast for providing Tom and I with copies for our review. Uh, as always, if you would like for us to review something, either something that you yourself have produced or if there's just a game or a supplement that you really like that you would like to get our thoughts on, please reach out. Let us know. We will do our best uh, to add that into our cycle. You can email me at therpgacademy at gmail.com. Tom, where can people find you on the Internet if they want to yell at you about your wrong, bad opinions? Yeah, for sure. Come at me. You can come yell at me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter. Yes, that is Mandalorian Metal Tom on Twitter. Or you can find me on our Discord. All right. And Chris, first time on the show, there's probably going to be some people who think that you were amazing and you should come back. So where can they come and talk to you about that? Um, thanks again for inviting me. Uh, I had a fantastic time um you can find me on twitter at sky underscore writer 19 or you can find me on the discord mainly in the board game sections excellent as for myself you can find me at the rpg academy also on the discord as always if you'd like to join the discord just reach out i will send you the invite though sometimes i send it a month later sorry bob uh, but I did eventually find you and give it to you, and he's now joined the Discord as well. Consider joining our Patreon. We're going to revamp that at the very beginning of the, of the new year, probably within the first couple of days of January. It's going to be completely new and improved and look great, and we would love to have you join us there with some cool patron-only perks. Uh, and until then, remember, if you're having fun... You're doing it right. You're doing it right. <laughs> that is correct. So thanks, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye! Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash therpgacademy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash therpgacademy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, 
used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.